Hi, everybody. It's Dimity McDowell from Another Mother Runner. If you're just finding this podcast that feels like Another Mother Runner, but it isn't, that's because it's full of specialty content geared towards the athletes in our Train Like a Mother Club. A heads up, there's what we like to call positive profanity from Coach MK in the Heart Rate Podcasts, so parental discretion is advised there. Whether you've got your eye on an Olympic distance triathlon, your first 5K, or a half marathon PR, we'd love to help you train. We have programs for most distances in running, triathlon, and ultra races, and a range of plans that suit all levels of running experience and fitness. So if you like what you hear, head on over to trainlikeamother.club to check out the plans and find one that will work for you. Thanks and enjoy the show. So excited. So good to see your face, Stephanie. You you survived in your back. I you survived. Yeah. And you're looking healthy and lovely. Um, yeah. So tell us, you um, just finished Western States at the be- the end of June, correct? Yep. Yep. June 24th. Okay. And now we are in the middle of July. So you are, um, just as a way of introduction, if, if someone's listening that doesn't know what we're talking about, this is the ultra webinar. We're going to talk about some trail running tips, but first we got to get caught up with you, Rockstar. So (laughs) so tell us about, I mean, we know that you had kind of a rough go of it. So you want to just talk us through kind of what happened? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm still, you know, kind of piecing together in my head, um, you know, the day, but um, I guess all things considered, I had some lofty goals and You know, I was a little bummed to fall short of them, but also really proud of my finish because um, I had a lot of opportunities to quit, and I just wouldn't do it. So um, I think there's a lot of takeaways that I had. But um, basically, the the race this year was was pretty challenging just because, um, one, it was really warm from the start. So we had a lot of um, – it was the third hottest year, which, um, so there's been warmer years, but the low this year was the warmest it's ever been. So at the start, it was already pretty warm. Um, and then there was 13 miles of snow in the high country. And I think ultimately the, the combination of the heat and then the snow kind of did me in, um, because I've done the race before. So I had an idea of what my effort should feel like um, through the first 30 miles because I've done it and the the snow and then the snow was melting so fast that anytime you weren't on snow it was like just um, it wasn't trail it was just brush and you're going from flag to flag like kind of working in a in a pack with someone trying to find where you're supposed to go next so it just took a lot more energy than I would have liked and so I got to mile 30 just kind of feeling a little wrecked, and that's not how you want to start that race. So I love it. That's the start, right? Yeah. I'm just finished the start. Yeah, yeah. So is there typically snow at that at, in Western states? Was there what? Is there typically snow in Western states? I mean, are you? Yeah, there's sometimes snow in the high country, but not 13 miles of it. Um, yeah, and it was. I mean, I, I everyone who's run snow years has said this year was the most challenging because okay. there was so much of it. Sure, that, sure. And yeah. are you, is there a, is there a path, I, I know you kind of talk, but I mean, are you post-holing the whole way or is there a path to follow or what do you kind of, is it a combination? 
there's not a path to follow your, well, I mean, you're following flags, so okay. you're not on a trail, um, but it's not post-holing, it, so, I mean, in a way, post-holing would be better, because then the leaders would, like, clear the path, but yeah. um, hard-packed snow, so you were okay. running, actually, on the snow, and I feel really comfortable, I actually enjoy running on snow, but this was more side-hilling, and then just, like, sliding down things, like, climbing up things, and it just, it, it was just really hard. <laughs> Yeah, for sure, for sure. And so when you got to 30 and you realized that, you know, you weren't quite as fresh as you wanted to be, like what what did you do both physically and mentally? Kind of what shifted um, I just tried to keep working through it, focus on fueling, hydrating, just slowed my pace down a little bit. Um, unfortunately, it got worse before it got better. Um, I ended up uh, walking up, it's called Devil's Thumb. Okay. And it's, um, it's not quite halfway, it's like 46 miles, and it's a mile and a half long, just steep climb, and I was like weaving up that, just dizzy and nauseous, and I just knew things were not going, they were not going to go well if I kept going, yeah. so I actually stopped at that, or at the medical tent there, and I was shivering, so I was, I was overheated, which, yeah. you know, I should have, like, hindsight done, like, tried to keep myself a little cooler, but, um, I actually spent some time bringing myself back to life at that medical tent. Um, I was laying down, like just crying, and they were putting ice all over me. And um, I got to the point where it was like, okay, I feel good enough to sit up. Okay, I feel good enough to take in some broth. Okay, now I can walk. So I just like nursed myself back to life, yeah. <laughs> basically, and um, walked out of the aid station and um, had 54 more miles to go. Um, which was at the time really overwhelming. Like, how am I going to get myself to the finish? But um, I think it's a good lesson that a lot of things can go wrong. And if you focus on the present, like, what can I do to make this better right now? You can yeah. get out of it. So um, I, I thought when I got to my crew um, it, about 20 miles later, um, I was like, yeah, I had to lay down in the med tent for a while. I think it was in there for like 15 or 20 minutes, and they were like, no, you were in there for an hour. <laughs> I was like, oh. oh. So, but I needed to take that time. You had to take that time, yeah. So, so you, are you allowed pacers in Western states? You know. are um, at the end, like the last 38 miles, you can have a pacer. Okay, so that's when you got your crew. It was with about around mile 60 or 64. a little yeah. 64. Okay. So you were by yourself. I mean, did you have you obviously had help in the it's in the med tent, but you didn't have somebody who knew you well, or did you? No, I mean, yes and no. Not someone who knew me well, but I I knew the the guy who was in charge of the the medical tent there. Um, his okay. name is Mackie. He's another runner. Um, and I mean, but their their goal is to get runners out. They don't yeah. want any quit. So they weren't telling me like, oh, you know, your your temperature's kind of high. Maybe you should think about quitting. It was like, no, just yeah. you're fine. Just sit yeah. here. So, yeah. Sure. And so at what point after leaving Devil's Some, I mean, did you leave there running or did you just decide I'm just going to walk for a while and see how I feel? I just, or yeah, I walked out of there and I walked okay. the next mile and then I started running because it was downhill um, and okay. actually felt decent. Um, the next, there was two more canyons and I, I moved through them okay, not amazing, yeah. but all right. And yeah. then I got to Forest Hill where I get to see my crew and then things fell apart again. Oh, shoot. Oh, <laughs> you know, okay. It's okay though. I mean, it yeah. just was a, it was a battle. Um, I had some highs and lows and they kind of came and went. Um, yeah. But I would say the last 15 miles were more or less pretty good. I mean, yeah. as good as they can be when you're yeah. – yeah. 
<laughs> when you're yeah. out there five hours longer than you planned. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a that's a considerable chunk of time. So, and hopefully this isn't too personal. But I'm just curious, like when you're in the in the low lows and you you know you're not performing the way that you want to, like what do you do? Do you just? I mean, I know you make it sound so simple. Like, can I sit up? Can I drink some broth? Can I walk? And I know, and I realize that you know it's probably a little bit more complex like that. Was that how you kind of took your whole race? Like, what can yeah. I do now to get me closer to the finish line? Or were there some really low lows where you're like, ugh, I want to be? Well, there. yeah, there are some of both. Um, there are some pretty low lows, but I I would just do what I had to do to get through it. And it it is pretty simple like that. Like, there's not a lot more to it than just like bringing it to the present. Like, you know, if I would have thought at double sum, like, I have 54 more miles to run, that's, I could, I don't know, I probably would have started crying. So just like, okay, what can I do in the next minute here to make myself feel better? So literally when things would get super bad, like my stomach was all upset and everything hurt and I was low energy, I would just sit down, like at an aid station, I would sit down and I would eat until I felt better. And it was just about like doing the little things, whatever that was, like if I felt like I needed to stop or I needed to walk, I would just do that. So I think you don't have to overthink it, but just like be present and like let's focus on the next five minutes or the next mile, like how can you get yourself through there? And then once you get to that point, make a new little goal. So it's all about like tricking your brain. And do you think, I mean, do you think it, dehydration came into place or you just think you got overheated or are you still kind of uh, unpacking that puzzle? It's all the things. Um, yeah. I, I took a pretty bad fall at mile 25. Um, and, like, I think I, I actually never got an x-ray, but I think I broke my knuckle. My hand was, like, all swollen. So, like, that yeah. happened. And then um, I ran out of water right there. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, it was just a combination of things. And, uh, you know, those looking back hindsight's like well why didn't you make sure you got more water like how could you run out or but you just don't you know you're doing the best you can at the time and um i just made some tactical errors (laughs) sure sure well and it should be said i mean and we are all still standing in awe of you i mean you know you had a very i mean you still had a very very respectable time you came in 12th which i realized you know wasn't your goal but it's still I mean, yeah. you know, so, and, and I think you really taught us all a lesson, right, in your Instagram post and then a post that we've sent out to a couple people who are farther along right now with the training, but you kind of unpack that a little bit more, and just talking about, like you said, you're so proud of not giving up, and, and it's the hard days, I think, that teach you a lot more than the, than the awesome days, right? Right, exactly, and, you know, there's a lot of, like, um, runners who are in the spotlight who usually do well, and when things fall apart, they just stop, and I really don't like that. I really don't want to be that person. So it almost, to me, it, it makes me more human to, to think, like, I don't know, I'm going to do this. And I yeah. think it, it's really, it's even though the whole time I was thinking about, you know how much I've given up for this. Like, not, not me giving up, but how many people have, like, made sacrifices to get me to this race. Yeah. How many people are thinking about me? How many people are following me? Like, I don't want to let them down. And yeah. so ultimately, that helped get me to the finish line. And I think, I don't know, that was a really yeah, cool I guess the chills just thinking about that. Well, and also, and I, and I think you can say how much you gave up. I mean, I know it's your passion, but you also came back from a super, you know, you came back from surgery, a long time off, a year off. You know, and to go, I think, and I hope I'm not putting words in your mouth, but to finish 100 miles is, is, is a feat, right? And so, you know, if nothing else, you prove yourself, like, you can do that again, and maybe yeah. next time it's going to be a different rodeo, you know? But, like, 
I don't know. I mean, it's yeah. I, I think there's a lot to, I mean, yes, obviously you love and, and your support team and we had, you had a lot of people cheering for you that day, but it's also important to, you know, not necessarily throw away your training and see what happens. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. So, um, so nice, nice work. Well, um, well again, like it was, it was really fun to watch and, um, Honestly, like, yeah, I mean, you were human to us before, but now you're just, like, superhuman because, you know, I appreciate it. Very cool. Very cool. Well, and we got to give major props to our first ultra runner out, right, which is Carol. Yes. Yay. <laughs> so proud. 50 miles in 12 hours, right? Yeah. And I, I didn't realize, you know that she was running on pavement? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had talked about uh, that. Okay, talked about it. So it's, it was a mile. It sounds like it was a mile lap. Um, or something around there, um, and uh, she said, uh, you know, um, she uh, she felt renewed in the last hour because she knew she could make at least 51 laps. She was running two or three laps and speed walking one, starting then two, which gave her a mental break because it hurt to it hurt to walk is just about as much to run. Yeah. Um, she said that her kids made her race signs, cheered you on, cheered her on in the early morning hours. And her two older kids ran through the finish line with her. She said, my best indicator of my success of my day is that at the end I was asked if I would do it again, and I didn't rule it out. So if yes, you can take the finish good. line. <laughs> I mean, good. seriously. Because how many people, I mean, finish across a, a marathon finish line, they're like, mm, never again. You know, that so was my, first, my first words after Western States. Yeah. I am not doing UTMB. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and you yeah, are. Yes. Yes, so that's awesome. Well, so let's talk a little bit about, um, so what we wanted to do today is talk about trail running in general, but then also be cognizant of the fact that a lot of people are kind of, I would say, half to, you know, maybe a third through, or two-thirds through their training, so we're definitely in the meat of it. We're also in the middle of July, which is a big, I think, a huge thing. So can you talk a little bit first about heat and, and um and trail running, I mean, I feel like trail running has an advantage because of shade and because sometimes you're heading up or it's a little bit cooler, but the heats can still slay you, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. So I think, you know, on days where it's going to be really hot, um, any effort you can make to get out before the heat or to wait until the evening, um, I think the 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. is a really underestimated time. We think, oh, if we miss our morning slot, we're done. But yeah. um, that evening time slot, it tends to cool down a little bit, and that can be a much better time than running in the middle of the day um, because that just kind of – it sucks the life out of you. So – if that is the only option, there are ways to kind of think it through. And so dialing back your pace is really important when it's that hot out. Um, your heart rate is going to be higher. Your perceived effort is going to be higher. So you have to just throw pace out the window and just, you know, think about keeping the effort at, a, you know, an easy effort. And that might be a lot slower. You might have to stop and take breaks. Um, I also think it's really important to be hydrated when you're running, so that doesn't mean just chugging water right before you go, but trying to hydrate throughout the morning um, or and even the night before, just so that you have, you know, you're not going to be hydrated um, within five to ten minutes <laughs> of starting sure, your run. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then also planning, if it's a longer session or if it's just really hot, um, planning loops or a place you can refill a bottle. Um, because if you're just taking a small handheld, that, that might last just a couple miles. So I like to do this loop um, where I swing by my house or I swing by um, a drinking fountain so I know that I can replenish with water. Um, 
Some other good tips for keeping cool are um, to wear lighter colored clothing. Um, it just kind of reflects the sun rather than absorbs it. Um, to use a hat or a visor to shade your face. And then also if it's super hot, we're talking like triple digits, 90s, 100s, um, you can carry water and douse yourself. So just drizzling water like over your head, um, especially like your neck and um, like the forearms, that's a spot that um, can help keep your core temperature down. So I like to think about trying to do that or I'll run by a lake or a stream and either dunk my hat in or actually jump in myself and then keep running. So yeah. those strategies I think are really important if you are running in the heat of the day. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. Uh, a couple of other people were talking about getting wet before they went out, like if they have a ponytail like you do, you know, like getting yeah. your ponytail wet or getting your hair wet or mm -hmm. kind of cooling down yeah, it helps. before you head out. Mm -hmm. That's helpful. That's awesome. Okay. Okay, well, so let's say you are going out for, um, let's say, a two-hour trail run, um, and you're going, uh, you know, you're hoping to be going, moving forward by, say, 6.15 a.m. So you're, it's not it's not crazy hot yet, but maybe, it's, let's say, three hours. Let's put you into 9.15, okay? So okay. you're going to run from nine, 12, 6 to 9. What, what are you carrying with you so that you know that you're going to have enough? If you don't have a loop course or you're hydrate, you know, like, you have to carry everything. What, what are you carrying? So I'm going to take as much water as I can. It might okay. be heavier than I would like, okay. um, but I'm definitely going to err on the side of having more than I need because it's much better than the alternative of running out. So if that was me, I would probably take a two-liter bladder um, okay. or as much as I could carry and drink consistently, not like save it for the last part of the run because I think actually it's better to get like hydration in throughout the run, um, I think you'll stay better hydrated even if you run out at the end rather than not drink enough in the first hour or two and then, you know, try to save it for the last hour. So I'm going to be bringing a lot of water with me. Um, I'll also bring, uh, I mean, like fuel as well and thinking about, okay, so it's, it's really hot and I've got my normal fuel. I might bring some sort of like hydrating fruit. Um, that's not something I normally fuel with, but sometimes an orange slice or two can taste really good when it's hot out. Um, so that's something I, I might take with me as well. Okay. And are you still, um, you know, taking an emergency raincoat and your, um, what, what, is, what are the other emergency things you kind of carry with you? Um, yeah. Um, I usually have a phone with me and I'll put it in a plastic bag <laughs> just in case I'm sweating a lot. Um, yeah. I, I do carry a jacket with me. I mean, even when it's hot out, I just, you never know. I have a really small one. Like, you know, you can get those, those really small that you can like bunch up into a ball. Um, that's really handy. Or if you don't have something like that even like those ponchos you can get they're just yeah. like like this big um just shove in your pack for an emergency um that's always in my pack and then I just have a kit that's I just leave in the bottom and sure. it has a lighter <laughs> like small lighter um a space blanket and a shower cap and okay. I realize that's kind of overkill um you know if, if you're not running like deep into the woods and yeah. you know you're going to be seeing people. You probably don't need all of that, but I like to be prepared for different scenarios. Um, also, uh, some tape because if you get a blister, if you throw some duct tape on that, it'll it'll keep it from from getting worse. Okay. Did you get blisters at Western States? What? Did you get any blisters at Western States, or was that your only? Was that a good spot? I didn't get any blisters, um, and I partly because I. Um, the socks that I use are, are really great. I use Drymax socks, um, sure. and they're just 
really protective. And I also didn't get any chafing. So oh, that's that's all right, two wins right there. I've never had that happen before, and I really credit the pack. It fit, it didn't chafe, and I was, I mean, I was wet the whole day, so it, wow. it was great. Yeah. That's great. Oh, good, good. I'm glad to hear that. There's some good well, things. So let's, let's um, um, and I, we have a, we have a couple people joining us right now. So if you guys have a question, if anyone has a question, you can either raise your hand if you want to talk to Stephanie, or you can type your question, and I can ask her. So, um, so I'll kind of be monitoring that as we continue our conversation. Um, okay. So I'm curious. So, so UTMB, when is that? September 1st. September 1st. So you have a good, like, solid two months in between your races, right? Yeah, about eight weeks, yep. About eight weeks. Okay. So, um, and I, we realize that any people who are listening to this are probably on going off of 100 miles, taking eight weeks, and then, and is UTMB also 100 miles, like 100 it's a, Yeah, it's 106. 106. So it, it's much longer than Western States, just the time it takes to. Okay. So... First, let's talk about um, what you would do if you didn't have. Um, or, well, to talk about recovery in general. So, oh, yeah. about, what do you do with that first, and then let's talk mm -hmm. about how you kind of get back into your training. Yeah, so it's a little bit different each year. Um, try not to compare my myself this year to myself two years ago because every every preparation and race ends a little differently. So, as a rule of thumb, after a hundred, I try to take at least a week totally off, like no activity. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll ride a cruiser bike if, you know, I need to or go for a walk, but I, I don't do any like, um, planned exercise. It's just sure. more like getting my body moving. Um, after a week, I'll start to dabble in some things that sound good. So like swimming, I think it's a really great one. And in the summer, I don't mind swimming in the outdoor pool. Um, you know, I'll do some hiking with my dog, um, I'll ride a bike, but just kind of really, really loose, and it's kind of one of those where I'll do it until I'm not having, or I'm, you know, I, I feel like I want to be done, and then I'll be done, so I don't really record it um, sure. as activity, and then after two weeks, um, I feel more or less ready to start easing back into training, Okay. but it, it varies a little bit. Sure, sure. Well, and so... Is that what you kind of recommend for our crowd? I know Carol asked a question about recovery. I mean, definitely. I mean, I would want a week off after all that training, but yeah. Um, but yeah. I think a week off is super important. Um, some people don't need, don't feel like they need quite that long, but it's almost like, you know, give yourself, give yourself that break. You worked yeah. really hard. Let your body recover. Let your mind recover because that's one place that we don't realize that needs kind of a break or a reset. You've been pushing sure. so hard and, you know, being on top of it. And it's like, just let it, just let it go for a week. Um, yeah. And enjoy it. Enjoy it. Yeah. Do something that makes you feel good with some of that extra time. Um, I think after a week, it's okay to start doing little bits. Um you know, after a 50 mile, I wouldn't rush into running um, right away. I would use that opportunity, that time to do some more cross training um, and then start easing in little runs. Um, nothing long or hard, like 30 minutes is a good start um, and working up to an hour. But that, that second week where you're starting to add runs in, I wouldn't go longer than an hour. I probably would, for myself, I'd probably only go up to 45 minutes. Yeah. For nice sure. and, yeah. I'm with you there 100%. And then, but, um, just, just yeah. out of curiosity, just because we can vicariously live through you, so then do you, do you like, ramp up for the next, well, I mean, how are you going to get from, from here to September 1st? Are you going to be training hard for a block and then tapering again, or what? I'm trying to figure that out right now. So, yeah. I, um, fortunately, 
I feel pretty good. So in the past, I when I, I've done this one other time where I did UTMB, and I was tired. Like I just would go out for a run, and I just felt really tired, and that was not that was not ideal. Um, yeah. This recovery, I actually feel good. My I'm not really I'm not really tired, which I don't know what that says um, about my race, but I yeah. feel good. Um, I'm sort of nursing a little sore Achilles. My other Achilles is sore now. Which Super. Um, so I'm trying to figure out that balance of like, okay, how do I how do I get some training in but still heal? And UTMB is so different than Western states. So like nine day different. Like Western states, it's not flat, but it's runnable. Whereas UTMB is so technical and steep. So it's a lot of like hiking yeah. and learning to to be comfortable with technical descent. So it's it's a little bit challenging because I can't just ride the fitness that I had for states because it's a different race. So I, I'm trying to figure out what's going to happen. I'm actually going over to Chamonix early. Oh, okay. um, I'm going next week. So I'll be there um, to just, you know, get some time in the mountains. Um, I, I just go over a month early because I can work from over there. So it, it just kind of makes sense. I might as well, might as well get adapted to the croissants and cappuccinos. <laughs> That um, lifestyle, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm planning to get in some long, longer hikes, I think. Okay. Um, steep hikes to get my body yeah. ready. Yeah, oh, that's fun. Oh, good. Um, okay, well, so that's that's a nice segue into um, a couple of things. So first, let's just talk about technical trails in general um, and when you approach them as, like, on a long run, like what, what you are best doing if it's better for you to slow down or try to run through them. Um, and then... And then I want to ask you if you know anything about the North, the new North Face course. And you may not, which is okay if you don't, but um, yeah. just curious. So, so I mean, you know, the, the trails, um, when you see a trail that makes you kind of go, uh, I'm not sure, what do you do? Do you slow down? Yes, um, I definitely do. Um, I mean, there's a difference between slowing down to be in control versus slowing down and being afraid. So I okay. try to slow down to a pace where I feel I can cover the ground safely. So that, you know, that doesn't mean coming to a full stop and then trying to make my way down because when you do that, when you put on the brakes, it's really hard in your quads. And so it, it kind of shreds your, your quads a little more than yeah. you'd like. Yeah. Um, so I think it's important to, you know, feel like you're in control, but also not just totally break so that you, you know, you're still using forward momentum. And I can really speak to this because I know right now I'm just like, oh, it's easy, just run down the trails. But you guys, I was a terrible descender. Like, I, I totally get this because I would get to a hill, everyone would pass me, even just like an easy downhill. And it was so frustrating to the point that I was like, I need to work on this. Like, I am making a point to work on this. And it took me about two years to, to feel like I was I was proficient at it. And now I think it's my strength. So cool. it's trainable. It definitely yeah. is trainable. And what I'd recommend is starting with something that you do, that you already feel confident on. So if that's a short pavement hill, that's totally fine. But just work on running down and going a little faster than what you feel is comfortable and teaching your legs to get used to that turnover. Um, and it's it's kind of amazing how that starts to free, you start to feel a little bit free, like you're just like floating down. Once you feel comfortable moving a little faster, take it to a trail. Um, and it's going to be totally scary again. But just work through it, start to feel comfortable, and then, you know, take the next step and get to a trail with some, some rocks on it. And um, I would just follow people that I knew were 
good at downhill running and I would stay with them for like 10 seconds and then they'd be gone but um, that really helped me to see like okay so how do I how do I do this do they take big steps do they take small steps and for the most part it it just comes down to shortening your stride um, uh -huh. although I don't I don't that's not the cue I like I like to think quick on my feet so quick and light so just stepping and not spending too much time on each foot um, and instead of leaning totally back and breaking, try to keep your weight a little bit forward. Um, okay. Use your arms for balance. I mean, it's ideally you want to have them kind of in tight, but when you start, it's okay to be flailing. It you know it helps you keep your balance. Yeah, that's kind of fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> so in picking your line, I mean, so it might be hard to think about since you're sitting in your house right now. But I mean, how do you know? Like, do you is it like mountain biking where you kind of look where you want to go, or are you looking more yeah. down? I look where I want to go. Um, okay. I think you want to look ahead a little bit, not exactly like where each footstep you want to be, because otherwise you'll, it, you know, that is like mountain biking. You'll just kind of bog yourself down. So look a little bit ahead, uh, know what's coming, and I think each person has a little bit, um, you know, a different path that they would prefer to take. Um, sure. I had someone give me the advice: um, do what, like, follow what you think the water would follow, oh, because it's going to go down. You know, so you can kind of visualize that, but um, yeah, I think don't look where you don't want to go. Similar, because <laughs> otherwise you'll go there. Um, that cliff. Guess where you're going? Yeah, no, I think that that's true, and I think it's hard sometimes because you do see, you know, a big root or a big rock, especially if you're not a, you know, a super experienced trail runner, and you're like, I don't want to hit that. I don't want to hit that. I don't want to hit that. And 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 in thinking that so many times you hit it because you're thinking about it, right? Right, exactly. So know it's coming, but don't focus on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so Kathy has a question. She says, I've been having some lower back pain on the days I do big downhills. Will a shorter stride help that? Um, and do you have any tips on, she says, what am I doing wrong, or do you have any tips to help her? Yeah, with it, sounds, it sounds like she is um, leaning back. So really, um, you know, like arching, like, See if I can show. Like if you're if you're leaning back like this, you've got that arch in your back. So try to be more kind of forward. Um, a, sh a shorter stride will help with that. Um, I think the less braking, the more like actual running cadence you can keep up, the less it should hurt your lower back. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. Um, all right. So like, uh, let's go back to that three-hour run. <laughs> and if you, um, you know, if you were um, more of a novice like we are, um, and you're driving over to the trailhead, and maybe it's the longest it's the longest run you've done in in a long time. Mm -hmm. How do you mentally prepare for that, Stephanie? Like, do you like mm -hmm. do you break runs into chunks? Do you bring music? Do you give yourself a mantra at the beginning? Like, what do you, what do you do at the beginning yeah. of a run that feels daunting to you? Um. I definitely break it up a little bit. I, I think about normally for a long run, I try to I try to pick somewhere that I'm somewhat excited about for for any given reason, like it's pretty or it's a loop or you know whatever. And then I'll break it up into like you know if it was like a three hour run, I'd probably break it up into each hour and just okay. think okay, so the first hour warm up sort of you know fuel well. The second hour like kind of get into your groove a little bit, and then the third hour that's you know mentally the toughest time so just keep going and like keep fueling and know that you're two-thirds done um, I definitely don't listen to music I don't ever but I think you know some people do really enjoy that so making like a playlist that you're excited about um, you know that's a really good strategy and something that's brand new or 
sometimes I listen to music like right before the run to get myself excited um, or I try a new gel flavor or I've made like a, a homemade cookie that I'm going to have halfway. So anything sure. little that you can get yourself excited about, um, new shoes, um, a new watch. I just got a new watch so I was really excited to whoo, try it out. <laughs> but those little things can just like, you know, take a run that you're maybe intimidated by or not super looking forward to and just spin it the other way. Yep, yep, I agree, I agree. And, um, and, and um, so uh, I think it was, um, oh my gosh, I didn't write down her name. I, I can't remember who wrote this on the, um, on the Facebook page, but she says, uh, well, I, can't, I guess they can't all be good runs, nothing in particular, just tired legs and an unfocused mind. Mm -hmm. Next time will be better. Um, can you just talk a little bit about the training rhythms and um, how you um, kind of help them mentally ebb and flow? Because um, I imagine that you don't have all awesome runs all the time, right? No, and, or <laughs> races all the time. So I think knowing that's a part of it. And, you know, working through a tough day mentally, you learn so much from it. So a tough training run where everything is just like going, like comically going wrong. Yeah. Sometimes those are the best runs, and especially for an ultra because it, it ha there's a lot of problem solving involved. So I think even though your your GPS or your mileage or you, whatever your pace might not say that was your best day, you know you still benefited from it. You probably benefited even more than you think, um, just in learning to deal with that adversity. So you know it, it, the the one thing I, I will say when when you're training and you have a, a string of runs that don't seem to be going well, that can be a sign that okay something is off. I shouldn't be feeling this tired or I shouldn't be feeling this hard. So Riley, sorry. <laughs> Um, you know, that, that can be a sign that maybe you need to take a day off, a day or two off. But every once in a while, like, things are just going to go wrong. So just chalk it up to who knows. You know, this was just an off day, and I'm going to just put it behind me and focus on the next day. Mercury in retrograde, is that, is, that, uh, is that a thing out in Bend? It must be, right? A lot of, a lot of uh, like, how the universe is speaking to you right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, uh, what was I just going to, oh, the North Face, do you, so I know that we've got a handful of ladies that are going to be heading to San Francisco that's now moved to the weekend before Thanksgiving, yep. um, and uh, just curious, do you know anything about the course, have you seen it at all, or are you are you kind of in, in the dark as we are, and if it's the latter, yeah, I don't, I don't know anything about it, um, I'll probably get some beta on it that I'll be happy to share, Okay. Um, but I currently don't know anything about it. Um, okay. I, I know it's going to be similar in terms of vertical, um, okay. but I'll, I'll I'll see what I can find out. Um, okay. They usually send us stuff as it gets a little closer. Sure, sure, that's great. Uh, Nicole says, uh, my dog Otis is barking in response to, to your oh, dog. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. Oh, okay. And uh, Julie said that the course map is up for North Face. So, um, oh, okay. So maybe at some point we can dissect that. Um, yeah. Okay. So what about gaiters? Um, I've I've seen this kind of floating around the internet. Do you think? Um, do you wear gaiters ever? I don't. Um, yeah. I yeah, but I know people who do, and I I understand okay. the reason for them. I just don't like things around my ankles. Um, okay. But they do keep stuff out of your out of your shoes. So on a really like I would say, if there if it's a course with a lot of like small loose rock um, or gravel, that could be 
that could be a, a, a time to use gators or if you're going to be bushwhacking, um, which I don't think anyone has races that are that primitive um, on the calendar. But sure. um, it's kind of personal preference. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. These are these are all just kind of my like potpourri of questions for yeah, you. Yeah. Um, so um, okay, and so. If you are going to, like, if they have the ability to go run on their race course prior to it, do you think that that's a good idea, or do you think it's better to have it be fresh? I think it's a good idea. Um, okay. I think, you know, I like to have some element of surprise. I don't like to know the whole whole course sometimes, but okay. anytime you can get on the course before is good because it's specific training. So sure. on a lot of the key long runs, I write in there like, try to get on a trail with a similar profile to your race course. So if you can get on the actual race course, that's awesome. Yeah. Not necessary, but just kind of nice because then you know what's coming and your body is kind of prepared for it. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about race day. So um, so let's say you're going into, um, well, either, either a 50K or a 50 miler. Um, like if you had to like gauge your energy from say like a one to a 10, so one is, you know, I'm walking at the mall and 10 is, you know, I'm challenging, you know, for the 100 meter dash in the Olympics. Like yeah. do you kind of increase your energy level. So I, I do like a, say a three, four, five or a five, six, seven, or how do you, or do you want, you're kind of going for an even pink. You can't go for an even pace because the course was not going to allow that. So, what, how do you how do you think about your race when you're um, breaking it up? And I think this could also kind of apply to a long run too, couldn't it? Or not really? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, so I break it in half generally, and that's okay. kind of the same if it's a hundred mile or fifty k. I usually okay. like. Halves because otherwise it gets too confusing. Um, so I, I like to think make the first half an intensity that I think I could keep up the second half. So if I'm on if I'm running a hill in the first you know 15 miles, if I think that is too fast for what I could run later in the day, then I'll slow down. So okay. just kind of keep it feeling a little bit easier than maybe it should because it gets harder. Um, the second half. You know, I try to, a lot of times people say, oh, I'm going to try to pick it up the second half, which isn't really a thing. Um, <laughs> it's, in theory, it's a nice thought, but it's yeah. more about, like, trying to maintain that intensity. Yeah. So the second half, you're just, you're just trying to keep going. And honestly, that strategy, I think, works so much better than trying to run fast, get going out too fast, because... It's much more fun to be passing people towards the end and to feel like you've got more energy. And, yeah. you know, if you know the, you know, the finish line's like two miles and you're, you're like kind of picking off people, that's good incentive and feedback to like push yourself. Whereas if you're just trying to make it to the finish line, it's hard to, to really maintain or pick up your pace at all yeah. in the last yeah. few well, so do ultra runners, um, you know, stereotyping here, but do ultra runners have the same issue that a lot of road runners do where they where they go out too fast? I mean, is that a thing in ultra or do, have people totally. kind of learn their lesson or is it somewhere in between there? It's totally a thing. Yeah. Totally, okay. I, I think a lot of people do. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a lot of very smart racers, but they're more, they're, they tend to be the veterans. Um, yeah. Or someone who's like totally terrified of a new distance. Just like, and that's a good place to be in because then you're respectful of like, oh my gosh, this is a long day. Um, yeah. But it, it is um, more amongst males, I would say, because they have that ability. <laughs> it, it's funny because we're always like, oh, males just go out too fast. But they actually have the physiology to do that, whereas females, we just can't. We can't throw down that intensity right off the gun. So that's 
that's an advantage, I guess. But um, yeah, just don't be tempted to go with the leaders or you know whatever that means to you. Don't be tempted to go with someone who is um, pushing the pace. Really be true to what you feel is is an easy effort. Yeah. Well, so prior to a, a race, do you sit down and kind of write out a race plan? I know, um, again, I, if you're listening, you probably haven't seen this newsletter yet, but, you know, you said, like, stick, stick to your plan, which is easier said than done because you get yeah. in there and get the momentum and you're tapered and all that. Um, do you do you write out a plan or do you just have a mental plan or what do you recommend people um, do? I write out a nutrition plan if it's, like, you know, a 50 miler or longer where I'm going to have crew giving me, refueling me. Um, okay. I mean, I'll plan it out for a 50K too. I, I don't necessarily write it down, but if it's your first one, I think it's good to, to write it down, like hour by hour. So here's kind of how many calories we need the first hour. And for everyone, that's 300 calories each sure. hour. So what am I, how am I going to fill that? What is that going to look like? And I like to start with a plan because then I, I have something concrete rather than like, I'll just see how it goes because then yeah. you're just not going to, you're not going to get everything you need. Um, yeah. However, that plan is fluid. So yeah. I do change it on the fly quite a bit. And I think that's important to not be too rigid in a race, but know that, okay, so if gels aren't working for me, I'm switching to blocks, but I still need to get 300 calories. So being able to, to work through that, um, I think it's important. And sometimes kind of outlining that before is helpful. Mm -hmm. um, for pacing plan, I don't do that. Um, I don't like to follow a pace chart. I actually, I don't, I don't ever do that. Um, I think you can, you can if it's like a course you've, you've done before, but each day is different. Trail racing is so different than like running a marathon where you might vary like 10 seconds depending on weather conditions, but it's not going to vary as much as a trail race. So I, I like to use effort. More. Sure. Yeah. 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 No. And I like, and that's so simple that like, you know, it can, I'm at mile seven and this is a big yeah. hill. I know there's a big hill at mile 27. Am yeah. I running? Can I run that? You know, could I do this again? Right. Mm -hmm. In three miles to go or four miles to go. Um, how about like, if you are, we should at some point um, dissect a race chart just so you, so we have an idea yeah. of it. But I mean, when you like, how, how closely do you recommend that they start to, Think of, I mean, think about their elevation map. Think about the terrain. I mean, I know we, we said that we want them on, you know, similar to race course, but um, when it comes to, like, really, like, are, are they studying with like, the intensity of the SAT, or are yeah. they kind of just kind of knowing, like, oh, my gosh, there's going to be a hill that is, you know, a 1,000 feet of climbing at mile mm -hmm. 50 or whatever. So I say print out the, the course elevation map uh -huh. right away. Just put it on your refrigerator or like in the bathroom, so you just like see it. And yeah. don't don't dwell in it too much, but just like oh yeah, there's like these hills. So you kind of have an idea in your head of what it looks like. Okay. Uh, and then I would say like the this works really well during a taper week. So the two weeks before or the week before, going through it a little more detailed. Um, so you know like okay, there's a five mile climb at miles 10 through 15, so that you know mentally like. I know there's this, you know, this, this hill is coming. Um, I don't like to overanalyze it because when you're racing, it's hard to remember things. So I sure. tend to break it down into like there's five climbs or, okay. you know, like major climbs. There's five climbs. I know they're going to be at these five miles. 
Um, so that I think is helpful just to have that knowledge in your head or know when the last climb is or, you know, things like that. Um, but I wouldn't get like too geeked out and trying to memorize a lot of things like all of the time in between aid stations or all of the vertical because it's a lot to remember. Um, yeah. And like then you're going to be thinking of that rather than like, oh, am I feeling? How am I feeling? Sure, sure. Um, one thing I do at each aid station is ask them how far to the next aid station because they usually know. And that's really good because then you don't have to memorize all of them. And if you're doing like Western states, there's no way. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so uh, ask them and uh, make sure you thank all of the, the aid station volunteers. Side note. Yeah, I'm sure. That, yeah, I, I think that this, this crowd um, – that's a no good, good reminder, but I'm pretty sure they're pretty much like hogging his soul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So great. Thank you for the jelly beans. Um, okay, so Teresa says she wore gaiters once and it shaped her ankle, so that's another anti-gaiter loop. But mm -hmm. I just, again, like, you know, it's something that hasn't really come up, and if, it, if you are on a particularly um, scree-like course, it might be something you want to think about. Um, yeah. Kathy is asking, she says, how do I mimic my race course when she only has a 40 to 50 minute run? So maybe I was unclear. So do you, well, want, to talk, yeah. would you want to mimic your race course? You don't have to on the, the yeah. easy days. So I'm talking about the long runs. Um, I mean, ideally getting on trail is good if you can, but those, those runs, the purpose of them is to just get some more consistency, some more miles under your belt at an easy effort. So it doesn't have to be similar to the, the, race profile. Um, on a long run or a, just a distance run over the weekend, if it's that short, I wouldn't really worry about mimicking the profile too much. Um, just get out the door and hope, you know, if you can get on trail, great. If you can't, that's okay. Absolutely. Okay, Julie says, um, most of my trails start going up, which means the beginning of my long runs are uphill with the end going down. Okay. So last weekend, um, she had an 80-minute long run. Um, it was 50 minutes hiking up and then 30 minutes blazing it downhill. Um, both segments watching our heart rate and effort. It seems like I'm doing very little running and more hiking because I start going up. Should I do something different? Should I be attempting to run uphill, although it will make my heart rate slash effort skyrocket? What would you do if you have kind of a straight? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and one of my office hour questions was about that today. So Heart rate is, is good to use as a baseline, um, particularly for like road and marathon training, but on the trails, it's a little more variable because it's more interval style. So you're going to have a lot more peaks and valleys with your heart rate. So I think shooting for an average, so I'm just gonna pick numbers. So say 140 is the, is the number you're shooting for. It's okay if your heart rate jumps up to 160 on the uphill, but then drops back down on the downhill. So your, your average is going to be 140. I think it's okay to run parts of a steeper hill, um, if it, even though your heart rate's getting up. Um, I wouldn't run the whole thing if it's, you know, pretty steep. You know, break it up, do some hiking, get efficient at that, but don't be so worried about your heart rate. Really think effort, because that's going to be the most important thing. Um, and then I would just say about the, you know, the, the steep course or the steep trail, as long as that's similar to your race, that's fine. Um, if you don't have a lot of steep uphills and downhills, you can still run that trail, but I would try to get on a flatter trail that will allow you to run more mileage um, just to get kind of both. So, and, and if you don't, if you only have those steep trails, then maybe one of your long runs you do on actually pavement, which, you know, ideally we want to stay on trails, but to get some of the mileage, sometimes you have to do that. 
Sure, sure. So again, and I, I don't mean to beat a dead horse, but that easy effort, I mean, so you're watching your effort. So, I mean, obviously she's climbing and her heart rate's going to go up and it's going to feel hard, but it's not, you know, how, how would you define how she wants to feel before maybe she starts to walk? Or Yeah, so I think that's going to be dictated by the terrain. So when it feels yeah. like you're running and it's just like a sticking point, like you feel like you could walk faster than you're running, break into yeah. a walk. Um, and that, okay. that consent grade is going to be different for each person because sometimes it's it's much faster to hike and it, it can keep your intensity, your intensity may go down, most likely it will go down, but it, if you're power hiking and becoming efficient at it, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up and you'll probably move faster than what you would as a run. Sure, sure. So yeah, so just, just to recap, I mean, I'm, I'm hearing that you want both, you know, especially I know, Julie, you are going to the North Face, and that's going to have a lot of vertical, so yeah. that, run, that run sounds pretty good, but then getting in the mileage as well, and, um, yeah. you know, I think that that's a good, a kind of a good plan, so if you could find something a little flatter, maybe not right outside your house, sorry to make <laughs> you drive a little bit, or something. Um, are there any other questions that you've um, had, Stephanie, during office hours or anything else that you want to address? Um, and, and while I say that, I also want to say if you guys have other questions, let's type them up now because I, I mean, I think we, we've covered a lot of ground. <laughs> so I yeah. just, is there anything else that, that you feel like has come up that you're like, oh, yeah, that, that's a good question or I want to make sure to remind them of this? Most of the questions have been about, um, you know, making sure to get the – the, the mileage in when people are running okay. a slower pace. So, um, okay. on the, and I just actually looked at the 50 mile plan and I do have the, we have the range of time and mileage on, um, the 50 K plan. It, it doesn't look like there's a, the mileage range as much. No. So, and that's fine. Um, but if you know you're moving, you, you're, you're on the steep section or you're not getting a lot of miles, it's okay to extend it a little longer. Use that, long run as a guide. So you want to be, we'll say, running for that long, but if you're hiking, if it's really steep, it's okay to be a little bit longer because I want everyone to feel confident in the amount of training that they're doing. Um, and if anyone has like specific questions, they can ask me that during office hours, but I think, you know, that plan is like a a good baseline. Everyone's a little bit different, so you really got to feel out how it's going to work best for you. Um, and you know, if you're overly tired, don't force things out. You might just need an extra day off, and then the next day you'll feel great. Um, so just kind of find that happy balance where you're able to push yourself. You don't want it to be too easy. Definitely push yourself, but then have enough energy to go about your day-to-day life. Absolutely. Well, and and um and so with for the 50k program, there is not um, a minimum mileage. But you know, as another way to um, make sure that you're getting what you need is, you know, if 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 Monday or if this weekend um you are uh supposed to run say 200 minutes, and next weekend you're supposed to run 240 minutes. So that's you know that's probably up to your maximum run. Like you're going to want to cover more ground during that. Right. 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 So like, if you're, if you're you know, 13 miles and then your 240 minute one turns out to be 12 miles, then that's probably a sign that you might need to reevaluate for your next run. Right. It should be progressively moving. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, again, it's, it's, um, it sounds so simple. I mean, it is, it's really, yeah, it's all about moving forward. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So Teresa says a good idea to practice power hiking and increase your speed while walking. So, um, I'm not quite sure what I think she means just to practice power hiking while you're walking. 
Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, play around with different ways of hiking and walking. Um, most people self-select the most efficient way, but um, you can try like, using your arms, using your hands, or if it's really steep, um, putting your arms on your, your quads and kind of using them to push off a little bit. Um, but definitely try, like, don't just walk, like, really slow and just kind of, like, look at the sky and enjoy it, but actually work on, on hiking efficiently. Um, yeah. and I think that pays off a lot in a race. Yeah, I call that moving with purpose. I have a hard time yeah. moving without purpose. Like, sometimes I think. Um, okay, so Nicole asks, um, if my race course has an elevation gain of 3,000 feet over 50K, how much elevation gain should she be averaging during her typical training week? Mm, that's kind of tough. Um, I don't like to give, like, exact numbers, like, hit this amount, but I would just make sure that on the long runs that you're getting on hills. Um, so what I would do is look at the course profile and see, okay, is the 3,000 feet, is that spread over like three big climbs or is that over lots of little climbs, like just more rolly? And whatever it is, if you can mimic that in training and do that for the entire, like say three hour run, that's perfect rather than trying to hit a certain amount of vertical. Um, but I think that will prepare you better than um, just shooting for that number. Sure. Do you think it's helpful? So if you, sometimes I think it's hard to know what a, I mean, even like what a 200 foot climb feels like, right? You see that on the yeah. elevation map and you're like, mm -hmm. okay, um, and is that going to take me, and I realize it's more road, you can kind of parse it out a little bit easier, mm -hmm. but is that going to take me five minutes or is that going to take me one minute? You know, like, um, so maybe just having a sense of, having you don't sense, want to, for sure. yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know, how do you do that? I mean, do you know how long it takes? Like, what's a thousand foot climb? Is that, that's a pretty massive depends. climb. I mean, it depends if it's spread over a mile or if it's spread over a half mile or four miles. And like, is it rocky? You know, it, so it, I don't know. It's, I think it's really hard to have a number, but I think the more you can run on hills, the more comfortable you can be with feeling out the effort and what it feels like to climb for five minutes, to climb for sure. 10 minutes. Um, and if you don't have that ability, I mean, we talked about, you know, getting on a treadmill and just put it at three miles an hour and crank up the grade and just, you know, try that for 10, 10, 15 minutes. See what that feels like. Yeah, absolutely. And if you guys want to post, you know, your race course profiles on the ultra page, that's kind of a fun little, you know, since it's all reruns in the summertime, you know, it's a good summer exercise for us to look at them and kind of talk about them. So, you know, um, you know, just because I think kind of, you know, having helping, having people help you um, talk through it, and Stephanie, when she has a minute, and um, and me too, and then your fellow runners could definitely be an asset there, so. Um, yeah. Cool, cool. Well, so is there anything else you want to add? I think we hit everything. Um, um, I'm yeah. just super proud of everyone. It, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. you know, just in the comments, it's hard to really convey that sometimes, but it's so exciting for me to see everyone progress and to see the ups and downs and just the community support. So you guys are awesome. This is, this is so much fun. Oh, well, and you've been a great, um, you know, it's, it's great because you come in and, you know, we were very respectful that you have your training, you know, your, your training demands and your travel demands and, you know, got to go get the cappuccino and the croissant, you know, you know, it's rough. So, um, well, and I, I will say while I'm there though, um, you know, with, with, the only tricky thing is going to be the time difference, so I'll be around, except for race week is crazy, but um, yeah, I'll share some nice photos. <laughs> yes, we would love those, we would love those, and um, yeah, so continue to tag her, and if, and if 
by chance, and if you know if she happens to miss it, or you know the French internet goes down, or something like that, you know, tag me, and I'm happy to um to make sure that it gets to Stephanie or, or drop you an email privately or whatever. Because um yes. we want you guys to continue continue to groove this awesome way that you have, and um yeah, so we'll do another one of these probably when you get back. Maybe um okay. I think the first racers go off kind of mid September. I don't yeah. want to get it confused with another. So okay. um so maybe we'll just do a quick one about. You know, uh, just uh, just a race day fun. You know, kind of tapering and prepping, and, and then going yeah. and having a good time. So. Um, and um, I just want to piggyback on that. If if you guys tag me and you don't get a response, tag me again because I get I get a lot of them a day. Not from yeah. not from this group, but just in general. So sometimes it's easy to miss them. So it's not that I'm ignoring you. Um, I just it might have gotten lost in the shuffle. So you won't be. You know, it's fine to take me three times if you need to. I will get back to you. Sure, sure. Awesome. Well, we appreciate it. Thank you for, for leading us so capably and for, of course, and so authentically. So um, oh, we'll, we'll be cheering for you in France, and we'll be, we'll be chatting with you a lot before that. So great. have a great rest of your day, and, um, and we will see you guys all on the Facebook page and, and various other places. So take care and keep up the good work. Yep. Happy trails. <laughs>